This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk. Greetings for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Exciting Life of Joe Sorensen, Volume 2. I need to ask him about that. Joining me from Albuquerque is the author, Joe Sorensen. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm seeing this is Volume 2. That implies there was a Volume 1. Is that also correct? That is correct. Uh, you have a, a, a fascinating background, and uh, you can tell my listeners a little of that. Uh, I understand you had some health challenges as a young adult or as a child. Uh, share with my listeners a little of that and uh, uh, you know, how you got into radio, how you began broadcasting, and some other things about your life that are interesting. Oh, yeah, sure. Now, the, the interesting thing is uh, Volume 1 of this book, I was... Uh, born with with a very unusual birth defect now sometime i want to do some other medical research but i didn't this book i just i just wrote from my life as 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 i remember it and my my wife ellen also helped me to to write it and in some of the other parts we actually wrote poems together but anyway i am i i was born blind totally blind from a very unusual birth defect that's about one in two million times or whatever the cord when my mother was pregnant uh with me the cord got wrapped around my eyes Mm. so when i was born august 6 1941 it miller hospital or midway hospital in st paul minnesota it put the hospital into panic zone you all remember the twilight zone where this was the panic zone <laughs> <laughs> so they called in a specialist at that time dr frank birch he was a noted eye surgeon and he came on the scene and he said we i i can do wonders with him and he will still be able to run and play but however the only thing i like to say even even kids who are totally blind can still run and play Excellent. but anyway i i had the first eye operation when I was 10 days old and that that gave me the little bit of sight that I have and then uh, moving just a a little tad the uh, public school in St. Paul Minnesota uh, promised my parents they would teach me to read Braille well there was a choice that they had the Minnesota Braille and Sight Saving School which was Faribault, Minnesota about 55 miles away they had a choice as to which school to send me and they felt well in St. Paul here where we live if they say they can teach in Braille why not be like just a normal child to come and go every day uh, but instead of that I, the school was called Hill School and as I like to point out it was actually a a one-room school and uh, years later now i figured out it must have been some kind of a school for for gifted children but they they did not have the facilities to teach me braille Hmm. so they put me in the sandbox so i could i could play with toys all day long 
Now, the reason it lasted a little bit longer is because my brother Peter was was mentally ill, and they were having, you know, a great deal of time trying trying to get him straightened out. And they thought, well, our other son was blind; they're teaching him Braille, and they would say, "What did you learn in school today?" And I would I would make up stuff <laughs> until <laughs> you're a creative. <laughs> you know guy. how kids are. <laughs> <laughs> I had this good thing going for me, and I didn't want to wreck it. Uh, until the uh, second year, they actually found out, and I went to the Braille School in Faribault, and then eventually I have I have worked in radio at several different stations, which is another saga in in itself. But this is just sort of a brief condensation of uh, things that happen. Your your venture into radio occurred was it uh, because of a church affiliation that radio opened up to you, or or was it a passion or an interest that you had prior to that? It, it was an action and interest that I had prior to that. I always wanted to be in broadcasting. Um, when you're a little kid, you go through different things. At one time when I was seven or eight, I said, walked around the house, I want to be a minister, as my my grandfather was a Lutheran pastor and mm-hmm. my, my uncle. And then I was fascinated in, into radio, but I was sidetracked into other stuff, working in the concession stand for a while, but then... When I was a student at the University of Minnesota, I, I hung around uh, KUOM and eventually was was hired as a student announcer. And then I, I became fascinated by what we call soul gospel music or, or black gospel music. And I was working at the uh, black radio station KMOJ 89.9, which is still at that frequency. And at that time, I was playing gospel music uh six days a week and then wow. and then I got into into other stuff later an interest in in internet radio and now I write the reason I write poetry you know is when I was in school I I did not have an interest in in writing poems we were <clears throat> we were taught that Every every time you write a poem, it had to have some rhymes to it, and so we had assignments to write poetry, which I did. But my uh, my first wife, her name was Ginny, she passed away April thirtieth, twenty twenty fifteen, hmm. and so and I I was praying and I said, Lord, please give me something new creatively to do that I haven't done before. And with uh, Ellen and I were, and we still are, sub- subscribe on an email to Garrison Keeter's Writer's Almanac, in which there w- he would read a new poem every day. And at first I thought, this is a poem? you got to mm. be kidding. It doesn't go with what I was taught with writing poetry in school. So I, I started writing uh Poetry on my own, and, and, and Ellen and I, and I, uh, my thanks goes to Garrison Keeter for, and actually, I actually wrote to him with with our book and the producer uh, and his writer's almanac. She said that at some point he would actually be reading one of my poems, and so this is 
this is great. So this is uh, that's that's exciting stuff. Now, Joe, why did you write this book? Uh, it, it talks. Uh, it's really kind of a personal diary. Would be the way I would describe it. It's not uh, super long. It's what sixty, eighty, seventy pages. Uh, what was it? Uh, I'm sorry. It's uh, sixty-two pages, and in those sixty-two pages, it's really uh, an account of your life in the past and uh, and and brings it to the present. Plus, it includes some poetry. Uh, it's a different style. Why did you choose to share it in uh, print form? Well, I, I I always wanted to write a biography or, or, or memoirs. I've always, the last three or four years, have, have had this goal. And I, I was approached by Author House in, in self-publishing to, to write a book. And it was up to me. At, at first, I was going to write just a book of poetry because Ellen and I had... Uh, the, our, our first book was variety of poems, uh, Joe and Ellen and Sorensen. So when I was approached by Author House for this one to write a book, what I, whatever I wanted to, at first I thought poetry. Then I changed my mind. You know, they say a woman has a right to change her mind. Mm-hmm. Well, us, uh, <laughs> yeah. us men, we 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 also have the right. So uh, since I had the choice, I said I I want to do. A biography. So that's, mm. that's actually how that that sometimes when opportunity comes knocking at the door, something you wanted to do, you just simply grab it at the time, because as you know, if you don't uh, go for for that kind of opportunity when it's there, you could you you could actually miss it. So absolutely true. the The book itself also reveals that you are still active in. What I'd call black gospel music. Uh, that you, do you still have a, a a program on radio or on the internet? Not, not at the present time. Now, the the interesting thing is that the the goal that I had at first when I was years ago a student announcer at, at KUOM, my goal then was to become a top rate classical music announcer. And I, I I had fun when when I had 15 minutes to fill in anything that I wanted to before the news at noon, and and I would play these wild radical composers like Charles Ives and uh, Henry Purcell. Baroque is actually one of my you know favorite uh, periods. But then I, I became fascinated by black gospel. I still have have an interest in black gospel. But actually, one of my other goals, in, in addition to writing and, and more opportunities for motivational speaking, is, is eventually to do a podcast of mostly classical music and poetry. So I, I, I have come so many circles <laughs> it, sound, it sounds as though you, you've always had a positive outlook in spite of the challenges that you uh, were given as a child. It, uh, you know, your book is, is certainly positive, uplifting. Uh, how would you describe your book? Would you, do you have a specific uh, reader or, or uh, someone that you think w- will benefit mostly from, from being introduced to your book? Yes, there, there are actually... Uh, two groups of individuals, those who are already blind and, and facing education and, and possible mental illness. Now, now to backtrack, my years in the uh, sandbox at, at Hill School in St. Paul, Minnesota, hmm. 
the the other factor here, I, I almost became mentally ill because I was secluded in this this daydream existence, and the only time that we had uh, out like uh, at at eleven o'clock in the morning. Okay, well, when they would they would turn on the radio, and then then they would let me come to the front of the room. Oh. <laughs> and there was Minnesota School of the Air, you know, for the for the school children. But the the uh, interesting factor here is listening to Minnesota School of the Air years ago in 1950 or whatever. KUOM, I never knew that eventually I was going to be a student announcer at that very radio station, and so. Uh, Psychologists were actually afraid. I, I was on the road to become like, like my brother Peter because I was secluded in this in this uh, situation. So this this book is also for them, also for the professionals, and also to try to get through to educators more and more that no matter what a blind person does, they must be taught Braille. Uh, somehow schools are are going away from that. Well, the, you got computers and all this uh, uh, alternative, you know, adaptive technology, which is great. But if I did not know Braille, to be able to sit here and read this Braille page, I I, I would never have been able to work in radio. You know, to write out scripts and stuff. But uh, also the the uh, memory pattern pattern so this is what i would say this this book is is to stay people going through these circumstances and also professionals in the field educators social workers and and that kind of thing now blind people as well as other quote-unquote handicapped people go through all kinds of different things but mine was was actually a unique Story, well, because going back, the uh, birth defect was not your usual birth defect, or or um, way people were uh, became blind. Sometimes there was too much oxygen in the incubator, or something like that. But mine was not the case. Also, to be stuck in the in the sandbox instead of teaching me things, and I was uh, playing the Lone Ranger. Hmm. But the Lone Ranger, of course, is still. Uh, I I actually go back on it just to backtrack a, a little bit, which is interesting. One of my favorite shows on the internet, Wisconsin Public Radio, old time radio drama. There there's there's other shows like that too, but he's still playing the Lone Ranger, Green Hornet, and Sergeant Preston. Mm. And there 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 was a copyright ban on on those three shows. <laughs> he's still I'm going. Okay, go for it. And the, <laughs> The one Sunday night, he said, we're going to do something we haven't done in 30 years. We're going to play all three of these back-to-back. Wow. <laughs> well, you, you, you have uh, certainly uh, achieved a great amount of, uh, of success in your own way because of your, in spite, actually in spite of, uh, in spite of your challenges. Uh, in fact, you could have actually titled the book From the Sandbox to the Studio, I guess would be a way to describe your life at this point. Uh, you're still active. You're still very, uh, very motivated. It sounds like nearly every day if you're doing poetry and other things. Is there another book in the future, Joe? Uh, yes, I would, I, I would like to, uh, 
get into the uh, traditional publishing field, which now the interesting thing, and I, I don't mind telling you this because you know, I, 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 I don't even, even, even Author House might smile. Well, they might, but I, I don't care. I, I, I want them to know, too, so far since this book, especially since Volume 2 has come out, so far I've had two offers to reprint this book in the, in the field of, of, of self-publishing. So that lets me know, hey, there's, there's other publishing outlets here, and, and actually to get into uh, eventually traditional publishing, because when, when I read these things, like in the Writer's Almanac and uh, uh, Garrison Keeter, yeah, they got they got they got advanced payment. And, well, I said, yes, <laughs> this is what I want. So, uh, well, thank you for uh, sharing your story again. This is uh, this is a positive read for anyone who wants a little insight into uh, an individual who has achieved. Uh, success in his life, and I love the uh, the title. It's it certainly is an uplifting title. Exciting. Life of Joe Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-O-N, if you're doing a search online. Joe, where can the listeners get a copy of your book? You can, you can get it through uh, Amazon, now uh, Amazon.com, and, of course, now I have an audio of Volume 1 that's out, and I need more push in that eventually we'll, we'll have an audio in Volume 2, which... I I I have read, and also we have in the recording studio uh, classical music and, and other sound effects. Now you can get that audio, Exciting Life of Joe Sorensen, Volume One. You can go to authorhouse.com/slash/bookstore, and I, I I need people to go to that website and order that. And then to write a, a great super review for for Amazon, and this is the way to actually to push it up and outward because it was it, it was actually fun to do that. And eventually, it is of course the goal to do audio for Volume Two. We have a, a great friend who runs a recording studio. He's got all of those sound effect recordings mm-hmm. and. When I was born, for example, I mentioned that, and you hear the sound of a baby crying. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Exciting. And uh, again, the title is exciting, Exciting Life of Joe Sorensen. Joe, thank you for taking time to visit with me from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, you and your wife, Ellen, who are uh, still writing and uh, and doing uh, doing poetry. Look forward to visiting with you in the future, and uh, hopefully this will be a runaway success for you, and you'll get to do even more of sharing your story and uh, recording the, the history of your life. Thanks again for being a part of today's program. Thank you, yes. Uh... My pleasure, Joe, for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, 
call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled The Arrangement. And joining me from up near Kansas City in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Is it Missouri or in uh, Kansas? It's Missouri. It's Missouri. Is my author, Wayne McFall. Welcome, Wayne, to the program. Thank you. You have uh, been an author for a while. This is the first national release that you're proud of, I'm assuming, from our early conversation. You've uh, authored two other books. Have you always had a desire or a passion for writing? Somewhat, yes. um, Early on in my life, my mom gave me a journal, and um, I just started journaling, and she was a bit of a journalist or journal writer herself, and I guess that's how I became to like writing. It's 132 pages. It is a, uh, how would you describe it, a mystery novel or, or an adventure novel? What would be the best genre to put it into? I would, I am, um, when people ask me that, I say it's a bit of a romance with adventure and drama, and then people decide, they go, oh, really? So, but, yeah. Well, the old, the old really is a good thing, especially after they've written, after they've read the book. Uh, your your characters are, are highly developed. You have described this as a book that would fit a uh, a wide audience. Uh, is that still correct? Do you still feel like a younger audience would enjoy this as much as uh, an older, uh, maybe more settled individual adult? Yes, it's a wide variety of age gap of age group, and so I've had older and younger people read it, and they've all enjoyed it. How would you describe your primary, uh, not protagonist, but your hero in this book? Well, as you've seen in movies, sometimes the, the hero is, you know, like Batman. You know, they're not the greatest person, but it's the main character is a guy, and he meets a girl, and um, he thinks that they have things in common. But um, she, as, their, as their relationship moves along, um, she's not as great as he thinks she is, and... Uh, so that has an, not the best impact on him. There are a lot of uh, individuals. In fact, I have family members that could relate to that storyline. You have on the picture, on the on the uh, cover, a sketch of an aircraft, and also uh, a, an individual looks like they may be from Japan. Is that also uh, an accurate description of the content? Somewhat. It, ha- it deals with airplanes, and then um, I, I just like that picture. There is a portion that relates to Japan. And I liked that picture of um it, it's a small portion of it, but I part of it is I just like that picture when you begin to write this uh, as as you mentioned, you have written two other novels or two other uh, other works that uh, have not been widely released. This one is the first one that you're I, I'm guessing proudest of at this point yes did you did you write yes. from an outline? Uh, did you write from uh, just inspiration and begin the story and let it carry you? How did you uh, approach this? It somewhat wrote itself. Um, I began with an, an idea, and um, I did not really have an outline. It, you know, like I said, when people say that wrote itself, it really did. I just sat down and started writing, and um, it just wrote itself mostly. The the characters, uh, you talk even about uh, them looking about uh, maybe relating back to high school and uh, some other 
instances in this book. Was there a specific scene that is uh, or was very exciting for you to write and it just carried you into the action? Um, there is a point where an airplane um, has a, a crash landing that crashes into a school bus. and um, wow. And it's that's hard to imagine or believe, but uh, that's the way it worked out. Do you unfortunately be- for some? Do, do you believe this is more of a fantasy tale? In other words, uh, when they read this, are they going to say, "Well, that's that's not plausible," or are they going to look at the storyline and and the characters and think, "I can relate to that." The person that it's based on read it, and um, she said it was unrealistic. But um, I don't think any person wants to read a book about something that is realistic. Nobody wants to read a book about a person getting up, brushing their teeth, going to work, coming home, and going to bed. <laughs> uh, it, so it's, it's, it's an extrapolation of reality. Uh, Joanne, is that the character you're referring to? Yes. 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 Now, she's, uh, she's a, uh, the, the main, uh, main character in your novel. You mentioned uh, on the opening scene of this, which would uh, relate nicely to a movie or maybe a story of the week, if it was ever uh, ever put together in uh, script form. You talk about automobiles and other things that would be of interest to guys as well. Now, is she the driver? Because you don't exactly, uh, you don't exactly tell me, no, it is a man that, that, that is your, your, your primary or the first person introduced in your book, uh, talking about them uh, driving a, a Dodge Viper. I think every, yeah. guy, every guy in the universe can relate to the desire to have a fast and loose automobile like the Viper. Uh, is that a car that you own, perhaps, or is it also part of your imagination? Um, I, I, I myself had a Lamborghini for a couple of years, but um, I didn't want to use something so exotic as that, so I um, used a Dodge Viper as a, as a step down from a Lamborghini. Uh, yeah, that would be a nice step down. I one of my one of my uh, one of my children at one point owned a Viper, but uh, didn't uh, keep it long. I think it was a little. They are obtainable. They are obtainable. Yeah, a little little too exotic for for I think uh, long term use. He drives pickup trucks now. now uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's you know sometimes um sometimes you want something like that in your life that you've had at one time and been there, done that. Yes, as as a an author. Uh, what is your hope for this book, besides uh, making the top ten or the New York Times uh, list? I enjoy just people reading it and um, people commenting on it, writing reviews on it. It's my greatest joy to be able to read reviews from somebody, even if they did not like it. It's um, A book is like your child, and um, hopefully people talk, speak well of it. But if they don't, that's that's fine, too. I have no qualms with that. Beautiful. Uh, most authors just want to be noticed, and uh, that would obviously be a way to address that. You mentioned Mount Rushmore in your work as well. How does that fit into the story? They um, they take a road trip to Mount Rushmore, and um, the, um, it, there's a bit of a pinnacle when um, she has a computer that she um, sits close by, and he finds a um, plastic case that looks like her case. And while they're at Mount Rushmore, he uh, chucks it out and up onto the rocks, and it just explodes into a rain of plastic chards. And she thinks it's the actual computer, mm. so she goes after him, and they have a a battle right there at um right there at Mount Rushmore. A very uh, graphic, at least visually, as you've described it. The um, book itself. Uh, covers several different locations uh what share with my listeners uh, some of the other 
uh, settings for this uh, this story? They go to Washington D.C. to um, view uh, um, she um, the dad homeschools the daughter, and um, her name is Maris. And um, part of the homeschooling in is they um, they go to Washington D.C. to um, see the our right to protest, and then um, they also visit um, Arlington because um, Joanne's father is buried there. He was a former military pilot. Beautiful. And uh, they they go to they go to Disney World. And um, they go to spring training. She's a pilot, and so they travel quite a bit. But they they also go to California to see a TV show be taped. Fascinating. You have mentioned this is a love story. It sounds like there's some conflict between your main characters. Uh, was there anything about writing that part of the novel that was a challenge to you? Some of them. Some of the dialogue actually occurred. It's based on an actual person, and um, so. Some of the dialogue did actually occur. Was there anything else that was a challenge? You mentioned that uh, two other books or two other novels have been uh, penned by you. Uh, this is the one that you're proudest of, of course, since it's the third and uh, the most widely distributed. Any other challenges as far as the, uh, the the process of getting it printed and getting it edited? And and uh, was that a long and tedious process for you? Not per se. I mean, it, it, t- it took me about a year. I've heard people say that it takes about nine months to write a book, which is how long it takes to birth a baby. It's it's a process, the writing and the editing, and it's you got it's not it's very it's it's difficult to sniff out all the um, typos and in and the errors because in the process of writing in your mind, you you know what you wanted to say, and when you read it, you think it says what you wanted to say but your mind just blanks out the errors, so it's not easy to sniff out all the errors. That would, that would be very time-consuming and a challenge for sure. Uh, is there an underlying message or theme that kind of uh, percolated to the surface? Uh, once it was completed, you look back and say, you know, that was a pretty neat idea or a pretty good bit of inspiration. I am... Um... I um after I read it um there's a phrase from Gone with the Wind you can't choose who you love and um I thought that was poignant but that's I didn't think of that while I was writing it but that that's uh that Rhett Butler says that about a Scarlett O'Hara and I, it's pretty accurate. Would you consider this a uh, a book with a positive ending that may have a sequel? It does have a positive ending and um person or two told me that oh i should write a sequel but i i don't really know where i would go with it you know i did, I, I thought a little bit about that and but um it, it kind of ends on a high note and um you know they they lived happily ever after i guess i shouldn't say that but um <laughs> you know, I, you know it, it's you know it, it 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 ends on a high note. Beautiful. And, uh, well, some some authors will take a uh, a finish like that and then go back uh, maybe earlier in their relationship and and do a sequel that uh, starts earlier than uh, than this uh, book con- con- concludes. That'd be a prequel then. Yep. I don't know. It's kind of like if you've watched Star Wars. When that movie yep. is over, it's over. <laughs> right. But um, they um, then they you know they all lived happily ever after. But then they thought, let's make some more money. Right. And so they have to figure out a different problem. So. Yep. But uh, I just don't want to put them through anything more. They've gone through the ringer, and um, I think they've had enough. Well, congratulations on completing this one, the title of which is The Arrangement. My author, Wayne McFall, M.C. 
F-A-L-L. Wayne, my listeners should get a copy of this. What is the, the best way for them to obtain a copy? You can go to Amazon.com or um, Barnes & Noble, or you can go to Author House. I also have a website, thearrangementbook.net, and there's a, a, a book trailer for it, so you can see a little video of it. Fabulous. Well, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Again, the title, The Arrangement, my author, Wayne McFall. And people, you can, uh, I mean, listeners, you can uh, do a search under his name. And uh, when the next book is released, which I think will happen in the near future, uh, you can find out about the storyline and uh, the, the, the characters that he develops in that. Thank you, Wayne, for sharing your story today. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. 